So yeah, I went and uh, I got this coffee bar. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been wanting a coffee bar. Oh, I would love to get so one. So we went on Amazon shopping around. So how it started was mm-hmm. my own damn fault. Because I went to, <laughs> to see my mother and she's at my niece's house. Mm-hmm. And she's got this gorgeous coffee bar. Oh, wow. I said, I want one. Uh-huh. So she sent me the link on Amazon. Well, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> And I just got spent the entire day putting them fucker together. <laughs> Man, it, it looks gorgeous, but then mm-hmm. you have to. If, if people are listening to this, mm-hmm. you're gonna think I'm nuts, but you have to put it together upside down. Sometimes you do actually. Some shelves are like that too. That's the second thing I got from Amazon that I had to build. Mm-hmm. Both of them I had to put. I had to put them together upside down mm. because what they do mm-hmm. is they start, they actually start from the top. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to do that, the top has to be on the bottom. Hmm. So you're building your, your piece upside down. Oh, cause you got to flip it over. Right. And exactly. That's mm-hmm. the key right there. Mm-hmm. And then at about halfway in, Mm-hmm. After you get it all framed out, uh-huh. you got to take this mess and flip it upside down. And, you know, uh-huh. then you start to put it together like it. the way it's supposed to look. Oh wow! But I tell you what, though, for one hundred and thirty-nine bucks, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll take it. Oh, absolutely it's gorgeous! I'll send you a picture. I can't wait to see it. We have um, <laughs> we got a guest on the show tonight. We're waiting for him to get here. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, uh, how was your day? It was pretty good, actually. Um, the patients were eh, okay, and yeah. But I had this one situation which kind of scared me a little. I had to stay on the phone with this lady. I, uh, it was. Uh, I thought I had to get a police to go do a well check on her, and uh, I thought I had to call the suicide line. She, it was oh. just so scary. Uh, she's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't afford these appointments, and I, yeah, I know y'all don't take my insurance and. We told her, well, we can do a self-pay, you know, pay what you can. Let me tell you something. I want to stop you right there because I went through this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you something. When you live in a country as wealthy as the U.S. Mm -hmm. and you got to decide whether to eat or or take your medicine, Mm -hmm. something's really fucking wrong. It is. It is very wrong. And we're going to do a show about that in a couple of weeks called Work in the System. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'll tell gonna, you more about gonna that. We're going to tell people. We, we, were, we were going to mm-hmm. actually not do this, but we're going to tell people how to work the system. Mm-hmm. You know why we're going to tell people how to work the system? Because mm-hmm. everybody else is working the fucking system. And I work for a great place that shows you what you can and cannot do. So I'll f- wait and finish my story on that show. Because it's a good yeah, story. Yeah, well, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but, no, 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 but no. It's so important when you got to decide mm-hmm. whether to, to, to live and die mm-hmm. or, or eat or take your medicine and, so, you know, Mm-hmm. Something's wrong. Yes. When you're thinking about suicide because you can't make ends meet, mm-hmm. that's bullshit. 
and I was on that call for at least 45 minutes. You know? Mm-hmm. Give me that lady's number. I'll send her some fucking money. Yeah. I'm serious, too. Yeah, it was just so sad. And I told I'm her serious. if I'll I have to, her. if I have to, I'll call her every day. I'll send her money. Mm-hmm. I'll send her a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, I told her, I said, if I have to, I'll call you every day. And I want you to look in that mirror and tell yep. yourself that you're beautiful. You're worth it. Just like I would Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You did the right thing. A hundred percent right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, people um, like that just make me just want to cry and just want to go over there to their house and just hold them and hug them. And, you know, just... see, people like you are a credit to the medical profession. Mm-hmm. My daughter works for an eye doctor. Mm-hmm. They had a doctor quit today. Who mm-hmm. who does that? Who goes to medical school, you know, optometry school? Yeah. Right? And quits their job. Who does um, that? I have connected that. Two minutes after seven, mm-hmm. I don't see our guest here. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I could tell you that and a little bit more story. But when we do that show, I'll talk about. Oh, we're going to do that show. That. When do well, we, we have that? We were talking about that last night. When do we have that scheduled? We haven't scheduled that yet, but I know it will be sometime in May that we'll do it's that. It's going show. to probably be in May. You're mm-hmm. right. Yes. Yeah, because I know that we're going to talk about that show a little bit more in detail because I have a lot to say about doctors and offices, how long they stay, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, maybe we can get your daughter to come on the show and talk about her experience as well. All right, hold on. i got to send this to Dan Ely. He's on our website, mm-hmm. and I gave him, I gave this dope, the link. <laughs> I gave him the link to the show, mm-hmm. and I did that three days ago, so he would have it. Mm-hmm. The people are fucking stupid in Tennessee. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it. They're fucking stupid. I, I gave this man a link three days ago. Mm-hmm. Three fucking days ago, he goes on to uh, our our radio site. Mm-hmm. That's not where we broadcast from. No, that's if you want to listen to that's us. That's where you listen to the show. Mm-hmm. We broadcast from a studio. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. I, is, and I need it this day. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need yeah. this. Because now I'm fucking fired up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I... I had such a Dan Ely don't realize what he did. Yeah. Okay. He got me fired the fuck up. (laughs) And my day was just so like weird yesterday and weird today that did you know that I almost sent a a link for Charlie to even watch the show? (laughs) That's how of a mess up day I had. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, that's what my frame of mind was. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay, you're gonna watch baby, from up heaven? You. <laughs> Are you gonna watch from heaven, Charlie? Can't help you, kid. I know. It's like, wait a minute. He can't watch from heaven. Maybe he can. <laughs> we'll Come do a on, show maybe like that one day. Oh, are you? oh <laughs> it was like shit. one of those days. Oh, I was like, man. okay. <laughs> How the hell is this guy? Uh, I hear something. There he is. <laughs> Better late than never. There he hey. is. Hi, man. Hello. <laughs> Nothing like live radio, folks. <laughs> Look, I'm, uh, it's the best I could do. I, I wore this shirt with Paul on it with uh-huh. the shirt I gave him on his birthday. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> there we go. I, 
I'm in a pepper state of mind. I'll tell you what, I'm fired up. You got me fired the fuck up tonight. <laughs> I said, he, you got to remember, Dan's from Tennessee. They're a little slow down there. Yeah. They, a little, Plus, I just took a nap. Yeah, yeah. they're very leisurely down there. <laughs> I Jeff. lived in Tennessee for 14 years. Yep, so wow. did I. Where, whereabouts are you in Tennessee? I'm in uh, mid-state, about halfway between Knoxville and Nashville in Cookville. Yeah, I know yeah. Cookville very well. Yeah. I used to live around Crossville. Wow. I lived in Knoxville yeah. for a few years. Yeah, yeah I lived in Knoxville. Yeah, my kids I were born in, there. Um, mm -hmm. I lived in, in in Cookville. I lived in Rockwood, and I mm -hmm. lived in um, in uh, in Nashville. But and uh, it's funny. I'll tell you something funny. Mm -hmm. I bought a house mm -hmm. in Donaldson. Hmm. My next door neighbor was going to be Bill Anderson. Hmm. From you know the country, yeah, the country part. singer, yes. yeah. Uh -huh. Three days, <laughs> you know, you got three days, you know, for for people to to bid you and stuff. Mm -hmm. Somebody outbid me that motherfucker. <laughs> oh three wow! Days, I could have been, I could have had Bill Anderson on one side and Little mm -hmm. Jimmy Dickens on the other. <laughs> and if you don't know who those names are, Google, because I think they're both dead now. Oh, I know who they are. Yes. Mm -hmm. is, is Bill still with us, or is, did he go on to the great? No, I Britain? think I think Bill is still with us. Yeah. Is she okay? Uh -huh. Yeah. I tell you what, he's a hell of a singer, man. He's a, a whispering Bill. Mm -hmm. Whispering Bill, remember? Yeah, whispering, whispering Bill yeah, Anderson. Whispering, yes. That's what they call him. Mm -hmm. Yep. Whispering Bill Anderson. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because you got one very, very mellow. This yeah. guy is like the essence of laid back. Oh, by absolutely. the way, we've been on for seven minutes and we haven't even started the show yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're warming up. Right. Just warming up. All right. Yeah. You guys ready to do this thing? Absolutely. Let's do this. Let's fucking roll. <laughs> It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles, California, 6 o'clock in Chicago, and here in New York City, it's 7 p.m. Hello, everybody. I'm Mad Dog the CPO. Join us. I am each and every week. Keep trying to get rid of her. <laughs> Fucking comes back every damn time. Amelia, the mouth of the South, Chapman. How are you, Pitbull? Been good. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. Dan Ely fired me the fuck up tonight, man. I'm wired. <laughs> I'm wired. I don't know what the hell they put in this drink. I, don't... <laughs> I think it's that coffee. <laughs> I haven't had any coffee today. Oh. <laughs> and I drink don't decaf. give him any. Yeah, no, man, don't give me any. No, are you shitting me, please. I'm a, I'm, I'm wired up tonight. I, I'm what. I tell you what. Let me tell everybody what happened this weekend. I was supposed to go to Beetlefest, mm -hmm. uh, and interview. 
Debbie Greenberg, who owned the Cavern Club. Her dad bought the Cavern Club when the Cavern um, went into bankruptcy. Her dad bought it mm-hmm. and said, how would you like to run the Cavern Club? Mm-hmm. Now, she's 21 years old at the time, right? Right. So I had an, a, a meeting set up with her for this weekend. Well, the weather was horrendous, atrocious, awful. It was rain and mud, okay? It was fucking horrible this weekend oh no so my wife and i say we're not going to we're we're not going to risk an hour and 45 minute two hour drive from here up to hoboken i mean jersey city new Mm -hmm. jersey you know for uh a washout and and they had this woman amelia dan when i tell you they had Mm -hmm. this woman every second of the day she was doing something oh wow so, and I said, I, I, I want to wait. I'll wait till she gets back to Liverpool. Right. Anyway. So, Pitbull, how you doing, babe? Doing good. Good. Today you was had a, a better day. day. huh? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about it on our next upcoming show. Yeah. Interesting yeah. day. <laughs> Sometimes Amelia's job is like a show by itself. <laughs> no. It really, really we can make in. our own shows. <laughs> it really, really is. Tonight's mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Meeting a legend. Mm-hmm. Meeting a legend. <laughs> I'm going to try and do my best Paul McCartney <laughs> I- impression for you. <laughs> Dan Ely. Dan Ely is my guest tonight. Dan is a, a resident of Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And Dan met Paul McCartney. Now, let me see. How, how mm-hmm. does this work? Okay, so mm-hmm. you're walking down your driveway... <laughs> And um, guy pulls up over and maybe he's asking for directions or whatever the case may have been. Mm -hmm. And Dan says, by Jove, you look like Paul McCartney. (laughs) And he said it just like that. I wish it was that simple. Right? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, you are up in the big camera tonight. So I am going to pull you up here. (laughs) Let's introduce everybody. By the way, I'm going to tell everybody, Dan lives in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So we're close enough to Nashville. We're not going to tell you where the fuck a guy lives. We're not mm-hmm. going to that. <laughs> That's not what we do here. No. Dan, welcome to What's the Buzz podcast. Tell me, how the hell did you mean a legend? <laughs> well, it started uh, on February 9th, 64, when I went to the movie theaters with my Cub Scout group. Mm-hmm. And before the movie started, this kid in my class named Mike Nichols said, Hey, Dan, are you going to watch the Beatles tonight? I said, what's the Beatles? <laughs> he said, just watch Ed Sullivan tonight. Hmm. So yep. I did. And then my life changed like everyone else. Yeah, Fast brother. forward to 1974. My dad was a guitar player and could mm-hmm. and a singer, and I learned to play guitar early. And I had been recruited to join a band as a bass player when I was 12, and I was playing in bands at yeah. 12 years old. So, and the Beatles was the band for me, and Paul McCartney was the man. And yeah. so I had followed him all through grade school, all through junior high, all through senior high, and now in 74, I have my own band, 
And I pick up the newspaper one day and there's a little blip in the Nashville paper that says Paul McCartney rumored to visit Music Row. It was a tiny article in like a gossip column. Mm -hmm. I said, Paul McCartney is coming to Tennessee. I'm going to meet him. Now, the next day I pick up the paper and there's a photo of Paul and Linda and the kids getting off the plane and on the tarmac at the Nashville airport. Oh, God, yeah. Wow. I had to come up with a plan. I subscribed to Melody Maker magazine from the UK. Oh, sure. To subscribe to that was pretty involved. You had to send your international money order. You had to wait forever for it to show up, and it was expensive. Oh, sure. I decided if Paul's in Nashville, he's going to have a press conference. Mm -hmm. So I'll pretend to be a reporter. But wait a minute. (laughs) How can I do this? And I picked up my Melody Maker magazine, and I opened the front cover, and in the editorial column, it said United States editor Chris Charlesworth, and it gave his phone number. You know York. what, Dan? If you had known me then, I could have just gave you my press card. <laughs> yeah, that would have made it a lot easier. But what happened? I, yeah, exactly. I have an extra. I have an extra. <laughs> well, you can send it to me for the next time then. But, exactly. So I dial up the exactly. number in New York, and Chris Charlesworth answers the phone. And I said, my name is Dan Ely. I'm a stringer reporter in Nashville. Paul McCartney's here, and I want a covering for Melody Maker magazine. He mm-hmm. says, do That's you have any ballsy, brother. <laughs> he said, do you have any experience? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to talk about that because the only experience I had was I had wrote a music column for my high school newspaper. Yeah. I said, of course I have experience. But I'm going to need a letter from you authorizing me to represent Melody Maker. And so he said, that's not a problem. On the 9th of June, I received my letter. So I started calling around music circles in Nashville, trying to find out any hint of anything. This was top secret. Yes, it was. (laughs) So they told me, here's what I found out. He's staying in Wilson County. He's mm-hmm. on a farm, and it's a mansion, and it's huh. on Franklin Road. Yep. Now, that's that's the three pieces of information I had. Mm-hmm. So the following Sunday, I get in my Ford Torino station wagon. Mm-hmm. I took my Rickenbacker bass. I grabbed my letter from Chris Charlesworth from Melody Maker, and I headed out about 1030 in the morning to rural Wilson County, and I got yeah. on Franklin Road. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving up and down the road looking for this mansion and uh, said it had a swimming pool. So I, all I see is regular bungalow houses. I don't see anything that strikes me as Paul McCartney's going to be staying there. So I get to a certain point where I give up and I, I'm going to turn around and go back home. I thought, if I see anybody, I'll ask them. But I'm in rural Wilson County on the back roads on Sunday morning, and there's nobody out there except I see one man. He's a farmer in 
overalls, and I thought, he is not going to know anything. I'm going to ask him, but I'm not going to mention the name The Beatles to him. So I eased up to him. I reached over to my passenger side door, and I rolled down the window. And I leaned over, and I said, sir, can you tell me where there's a mansion at here on Franklin Road with a swimming pool? It's supposed to be a doctor's house. He immediately said, there's not one. I said, are you sure? <laughs> a doctor's house, a large house with a pool? He said, no, there's not one on Franklin Road. I said, well, now I felt like I had no choice. I said, well, sir, one of the Beatles is supposed to be staying there. He said, you mean those fellas from England? <laughs> I said, uh, yes, sir. The Beatles are from England. He said, well, they're staying up Junior Putnam's place. Uh, I, said, I said, what? Where? Where is that? He said, it's on up the road here a piece, but they don't have a swimming pool. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay, how far do I go? How close am I? And he gave me a little bit of insight, and wow. I turned the car mm -hmm. around. And Dan, can, friend, let me, can, can I yes, interrupt sir. you for a second, Dan? Yes, sir. If, if you guys are familiar with Tennessee, and I know uh -huh. the area Dan is talking about, mm -hmm. if you live in this area, Amelia, mm -hmm. everybody knows Junior's Farm. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows Junior's Farm. Okay. It the place is legendary and it's well, it, it's even more legendary now. Mm -hmm. But continue, Dan. I want everybody to kind of <laughs> give a little perspective of right. the geography. Yep. Uh -huh. So, so I my plan is I'm going to do a drive by and I'm going to I look to the left and I see what now I know has to be where Paul is staying because it's a mansion on a hill looking over 133 acres and it has a big entrance. Mm -hmm. So I pass by the entrance and I'm going to pull in the next driveway of a little bungalow house right beside the, the entrance. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to back out and I'm going to do a slow drive by back and I'm going to check this out. But when I pull in that driveway of the house next door, I see Denny Lane and Jimmy McCullough out on the lawn. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, I, so I stop and I grab my letter and I exit the car. Mm -hmm. And I said, hi. I said, uh, hey, Denny and Jimmy, I'm Dan Ely. I represent Melody Maker Magazine and Chris Charlesworth sent me. And they didn't, they didn't say anything. They were just mm -hmm. staring at me. And I, I said, uh, uh, <laughs> well, probably because Denny was high as a kite at the time. Yeah, he was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I said, uh, you know who Chris Charlesworth is, don't you? Mm -hmm. And Jimmy said, yeah, I know who Chris Charlesworth is. <laughs> and I said, well, hey, I got this bass guitar in the car. You want to see it? And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, get it out. So I get out my Rickenbacker, which is what Paul is playing at the time. Mm -hmm. And Denny straps it on. <laughs> oh, wow. 
And he That's starts hilarious. He starts dancing around with it. And he goes, <laughs> he says, Hey, Paul would love this. Oh wow. I said, okay, we'll give it to him. And I I leave the base. Mm -hmm. And this was the first day in my beginning of this three weeks that I'm going to end up hanging out with them. So, <laughs> so um, every day then I would go down and I would take gifts every day. I was taking shirts for the kids, mm -hmm. gifts for the band, some liquor oh, for wow. the band, guitars, magazines, and records. <laughs> I would sit around the table with the band at the guest house. Now the, the band was staying at the little bungalow right? at this point. And Paul was up at the mansion. Of course. But I would sit around with the band, <laughs> wait for an opportunity to talk when they were having breakfast. And one morning they were having breakfast and I waited for a little pause in the conversation. I said, Denny, when you're in Nigeria working on band on the run, you had a beard. Why did you shave your beard? Jimmy looks up and he looks at them and he goes, he knows more about us than we do. <laughs> and so I started becoming friends with them and coming and going every day. I would just enter the house when I got there. It wasn't locked mm -hmm. and I would hang out till they showed up and I started eventually recording their rehearsals. I was hearing, look, you have to understand at this time in 1974, yeah. Paul McCartney has not played live in America since Candlestick Park in August of 69. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing outside. The no, 1966. Garage. I'm sorry. Correct. 66. Yep. Yeah. Uh, because that was the last outside, concert they played. <laughs> I'm standing outside the garage, and I'm hearing Jet, Band on the Run, My Love, Little mm -hmm. Woman Love, uh, Maybe I'm Amazed. I mean. Wow, doing all the hits. Wow. I'm hearing it all, and then eventually I start hearing this song I've never heard, and they were working through it slowly, meticulously, and to be frank with you, I was a little bit bored because I didn't know this song. It's like they didn't know it either. And they were working out the parts. Sure. Yeah. So Denny comes down after the rehearsal. And I said, Denny, what was that song that you kept playing over and over and over? He said, oh, you'll find out later. Yeah. And that became <laughs> that what I found out later was that in October of 74, WLS Radio in Chicago premiered this mm -hmm. new song by Paul McCartney and Wings. I pulled my car over and listened and waited for John Records' Landecker to play it, and it was Junior's Farm. So mm -hmm. they tell me now that <laughs> I became the first person to hear Junior's Farm outside the band. It wasn't yep. fully written mm -hmm. when they got there. People don't understand something. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'm going to give you a little a heads right. up, Dan, because I haven't told you anything about me, but mm -hmm. my background, I've only done two things in my whole life. Only two things. 
I was a recording engineer. I used to record bands. Uh That's what I did. And I was a wrestling promoter for 25 years. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I will tell people, if you guys have ever been to a recording session, Uh there's a lot of sitting around waiting for shit to happen. Yeah. Uh It's, you know, because especially if it's new material. Uh-huh. You'll sp- you could spend like a day on one song. Oh yeah, it's really tedious. Um, but when you got guys like Jimmy and Denny Lane and Paul is a fucking legend, you know, and an uh-huh. incredible musician. When you got guys of that caliber, they can knock out you know a uh-huh. new song like, two or three a day uh-huh. and get uh-huh. through it. But you, uh, when you're recording. You know, especially new music, you could sit around for hours waiting for shit to happen. Oh, yeah. So how how long into the session did you get, like, I got to get out of here. I got to do something. Never. Never. Really? I always, I always hung. I was, listen, I was living my dream. I mean, the Beatles at that time and Paul was gods from some far off land. Yeah. All we got right. was the videos. All we got was the videos mm-hmm. on the Smothers Brothers or something, you know? Yeah. And sure. now I'm I'm there with them. I see Paul driving in and out of the driveway. And mm-hmm. he got to where he would stop and talk to me at the driveway in, in the car. So look, I was very careful to not take too many my friends down there. And my, mm-hmm. the guy that I play in the band with still today, I was playing in the band with in 74, and he's right. a huge Beatles fan. Am I going to let this moment pass and not take one of my best right. friends to, mm-hmm. to meet Paul? So right. I go to his house one day on the way to Junior's Farm, and I haven't decided if I'm going to tell him. I'm on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. And he comes out to the car, and I said, uh, "Well, uh, I was hesitating. I was looking at him. He's about six foot five. I was looking. I said, well, you want to go meet Paul?' <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, I'd like to.'" I said, "Let's go." So we jumped in the car, <laughs> got on the interstate. About halfway down, it was. It was in June. It was very hot, and I had a flat tire in my Ford Torino station. Oh, no. On the interstate, and we get out, and we're sweating bullets, and I tightened that last lug nut, and I looked up at him, and I said, do you just want to go back? He said, we might as well go on. I said, okay. I threw the lug wrench in the back of the car. We loaded up, and when we pulled in at at what we know now is Junior's Farm, Mm-hmm. I went into the bungalow and my friend Billy stayed outside. Now, from where his perspective was in the in the yard, the house was up on the hill and the driveway was straight. So yeah. you could see any car coming down the road, the driveway. Sure. All of a sudden he runs in to the house and I'm talking to Jimmy and, and Denny and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And he says, come on, Paul's coming down the driveway. So I had a camera. Now in 74, you either had a cheap piece of crap camera or you had an expensive one. And I had a cheap 16 millimeter little spy camera. 
Sure. I couldn't remember how many frames I had left on the cartridge, right? Mm -hmm. So I grab a cartridge out and I slam it in and I run to the entrance. And Billy's right behind me and Paul's come, Paul and Linda's coming down. And he eases up in the car and he stops. And Billy's standing behind me. Paul rolls down his window. He goes, how you doing, Dan? <laughs> and I, I turned I turned to Billy like this. I went. <laughs> and Billy whispers, Paul McCartney knows your name. <laughs> I said, if I ever write a book, and I'm thinking about it, I'm mm -hmm. going to call it Paul McCartney knows your name. I got to tell you something. That's a and great we, title. Amelia, you, you know what I'm about to tell Dan. Mm -hmm. uh, we are huge Beatles fans on the show. Uh, friends of ours that have been on the show a few times have written books about the Beatles. Mm -hmm. We know several people. In fact, I've written the foreword to three Beatles books already. Mm -hmm. One of them a bestseller. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about, Mill. Yes. And uh, so, Dan, I will tell you that if you ever want to write a book, I'm the go-to guy. Yes, Okay. Yes. Let me know. Absolutely. I want to ask you some questions. Um, oh, I'm going to show you that. I'm going to yeah, show you this. I get the lighting right. There we go. On the left is me with the bass in 1974. I bought it from Manny's in New York. Yeah. Uh -huh. And if you notice, because it's important on what I'm going to tell you in a little bit, do you see two marks on the body of the bass? One's right above my hand, a notch. Yes. Uh -huh. And then down below my hand, on below the pit guard, you see another dark spot. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be important. What I'll tell you. But here you see me actually handing the bass off to from. I gave it to Denny. He's giving it to MPL's man, Paul's Paul's right hand guy there, mm -hmm. Alan uh -huh. Crowder. He's handing right. the bass off there. Uh -huh. Right now, here's my friend Billy. Setting okay. in the yard. Just a minute. There we go. Mm -hmm. Setting in the yard. He's the blonde-headed guy between Denny and Jimmy. Right. And he's sitting there with his last Paul. I think this bringing the guitar thing that we did. Mm -hmm. and there we are with Denny a couple of years back. Uh -huh. But I think the bringing the guitar thing, the musician thing, mm -hmm. broke the ice for me. Here's what happened oh, yeah. I came down almost every day, but one day I show up and I'm talking to Jimmy and he says, Hey, uh, Dan, it'll be better if you don't come down tomorrow. I'd never, never had him tell me that. And I mm -hmm. said, well, why, what's going on? He said, mm -hmm. it'll just be better if you're not here. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So the next day I stayed home and we had a terrific electrical storm here in Tennessee that night. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go right. The next day, mm -hmm. it's another day. I'm loaded sure. up and I'm headed back to the farm. And when I pull in the driveway and go in the house, Denny mm -hmm. and, and Jimmy are bringing cases of champagne in, in, in these milk crates with ice. Uh, wow. And uh, I go over to the window 
at the house and look down at the picnic pavilion, which is about 400 feet from the house, and I see a couple of cars pull down there. I have a pair of binoculars on. Mm-hmm. And, I see, <laughs> and, and I get down there and I see Paul and he's wearing this shirt. Well, it's not this one. Uh, uh-huh. There's a picture here somewhere of it, but uh-huh. he's wearing a shirt that I gave him. And uh, I holler to the others. He's got my shirt on. He's got my shirt on. Jimmy goes, Dan, look, we're having a little get together mm-hmm. and we're having a party. He said, it's Paul's birthday. He said, uh, Paul wants us to work the gate, but we don't want to. We want mm-hmm. to go to the party, but you could do it. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, what's work the gate mean? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, you know, you'll let people in that should be in and you'll keep everybody else out. And exactly. I said, well, how will I know who, who to let in? You'll because know. You'll, you'll know. It's exactly. Gonna be, you'll know. <laughs> it's going to be Roy uh, Morrison, uh-huh. Chad Atkins, oh, and wow. Jerry Reed. And if you'll do this, uh-huh. then we'll take you down to hang out with Paul. I said, okay, let's do it. So I go down to the entrance, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting. It's hot. It's about... 4.30 in the afternoon, mm. about 300 feet from the entrance, I can see the gathering. Chet mm-hmm. Atkins' white Cadillac is pulled up out there. And yeah. suddenly I see a Porsche rolling down the road, signaling to turn in. And I get up on my, my tiptoes, and I look, and it's Roy Orbison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as he's turning into the driveway, I peer in his Porsche, and he has all leather on. He has leather coat. Yeah. Black. Leather yeah. pants. Black. Black, black t shirt. Big mm. black glasses. His hair is all jet black. It's mm-hmm. 100 degrees outside. Yep. And I I'm put thinking, that's what Brother Roy Orbison was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I said. As I peered inside the, his car, mm-hmm. I thought, wow, how is he standing? Then I thought, wait a minute. It's more important to look cool. Mm-hmm. than to be cool. And that's what I'm rolling to So, So I figure at some point, mm-hmm. Denny mm-hmm. or Jeff or Jimmy are going to walk through the field and they're going to come up and get me. And that's that's what I've, I'm ready for. And I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I see somebody leaving the party and they're walking toward me. And I, I look and it's Paul. Mm-hmm. And he's got the shirt on I gave him. And he walks up to me and he says, you're the one that gave me the base. And Mm -hmm. I said, yes. He said, you know, it would be silly for me to keep it. I said, okay. So we walked together back down to the uh, party. By this time, Mm -hmm. it's only Roy Orbison there and me, Linda, Paul, Denny, and Jeff. And they got a little music going. It's very low key. Linda's got a peasant dress on. She's sort of, she's in the middle. Denny's on one side, Paul's on the other. And they're sort of swaying back and forth. And this, this, that's the atmosphere. And mm-hmm. I get to talking to Paul. Now you have no idea if you've never done this. If you've 
been this crazy super fan of Paul for all your life, and now yeah, you're standing toe-to-toe with him. It's yep. a mind-boggling thing. Very intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I said, hey, Paul, I said, you know, when you guys broke up, some of my friends went with mm-hmm. John, and some of my friends went with you. I said, we actually had falling outs. And, wow. and hung up on each other over the phone over this. Over the Beatles, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> but I got away from him for a few minutes to not smother him. I was talking with the others, and suddenly Jimmy hollered, and he said, Hey, Dan, Dan, Paul's hollering for you. And I turned around, and Paul and Linda had got into the rental car, which is pulled down in the mm-hmm. grass next to the pavilion. And Paul was waiting. I mean, this just a, is how he was. He was waiting for me to come over to tell me goodbye. It was, that's just the way, how nice he was. And yeah. he said, uh, uh, I said, Paul, uh, are you going to watch Yellow Submarine tonight? It's on Nashville TV. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. that was his birthday party, June 18th, 1974. Mm-hmm. And I was lived this dream of being able to be there with him with him wearing the embroidered shirt that I gave him. Yeah. And And wore it several times. Here actually uh, somewhere. What did I do? Mm -hmm. I'll have to find the the picture, but, uh, Uh but he, uh, he was wearing the shirt and then this picture of it right here. Oh, wow. This picture is Uh two years later Uh on his birthday once again Yep. at the L.A. Forum. But you see how it's all embroidered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's worn that shirt several times. Yes. Mm -hmm. He sure has. Yep. What I put over here on this side of the collar that you can't see, I had Paul embroidered in red on the collar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, they tell me that he keeps everything, so maybe mm-hmm. we might even see it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Would you like to see the base? I would love, I would love to. to. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is one of the easiest interviews we've ever done because mm-hmm. I haven't asked a question yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to ask a question now? <laughs> no, I want to see the base first. Oh, you want to see that first? <laughs> oh, oh, wow! Man. Look at oh, that. Oh, that's sweet. That's. Beautiful. Now, let's talk about those markings. Yes. Uh-huh. All right. Do you see those? Yes, yes. sir. Uh-huh. Let me tell you how I, I'm going to I'm gonna look bad on myself in this part of the story. But when I when they left and went and, and left Tennessee, I came back to my hometown mm-hmm. and I sold the base. To I heard that. To a gospel bass player who was in his forties, I don't know. I, I just you just don't think of it when you're nineteen. And nope. my friend Billy, who I told you about going down with me, I'm having to practice rehearse with him every weekend, and mm-hmm. I'm having to hear about it. I'm having to hear from him yeah. right there. He is in the cap and the red jacket. Mm-hmm. How I shouldn't have sold it, right? So. I decided to call the man I sold it to up and try to get it back. Mm-hmm. So I called him. I said, hey, I, I sold you the base, but could I buy it back from you? 
Mm-hmm. And he said, I wouldn't take anything for that bass. Paul McCartney played it. Oh, so, man. Now, oh, man. Now, there in you my go. hometown, it's a small town. You, you don't have to know. Call him and ask him if he still has this. Yeah. You can ask friends. Sure. Hey, does he still have the bass? Mm. This goes on for decades. And in 1995, I pick up my local newspaper and his obituary is in the paper. Oh, my God. Now, look, I was sorry that he passed away. Oh, of course. But I did have an interest in the bass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so one day I called up his daughter and I left her a message to call me. And she called back. I said, hey, this is Dan. I sold the bass to your dad. I'd just like to come by one day for five minutes and strap it on, play it. I had a lot of emotions tied up with it. Mm-hmm. Could I come by and play it one last time? And she said, well, Dan, when daddy passed away, it went to his sister in Nashville. I said, oh, oh wow. yeah. And she, without warning, fell dead one day. Oh, dear God. Oh, no. And it went to her daughter. And either her daughter or her boyfriend pawned it. <gasps> oh, no. So it ended up at a pawn shop in Nashville. Oh, no. Not exactly, but you're oh. close. So, so I said, well, what's her name? Now, for those of you, and most people don't know this, mm-hmm. I've owned a detective agency for 35 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I get I get her name and I look her up about 16 miles from here. Mm-hmm. And I left her a message to call me. And she called me and said she didn't have any idea what happened to this base. Yeah. And I said, well, if you find it, I'd be interested in buying it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I never heard from her again. Now, Billy at the time, he's with me and I tell him it's all over. It's over. It's gone. Yeah. Never going to see it again. It's over. And I said, besides that, I didn't write down the serial number when I bought it in 1974 from Manny's. How mm-hmm. would we know if we ever found it? He said, mm-hmm. let's look at it. Yep. He okay. said, you're lucky. He said, mm-hmm. it's got two identifying marks that are usually not on them. Mm-hmm. Right. If we ever run into it, we'll know that's it. He, Absolutely. Said, he said, I'm going to take a picture of you with it in 1974. Yep. There's the marks. Mm-hmm. And I'll put it on my iPad in case I run into it. And I turned around and looked at him. I said, what? <laughs> in case you run into mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, you never know. I'm mm-hmm. out. I, I'm a salesman. I, mm-hmm. I'm in shops. And I said, listen, yeah. you're not going to run into this base anywhere. It's over. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead and put mm-hmm. it on your iPad in case mm-hmm. you run into it. So, fast forward to May 19th of 2017. Mm-hmm. Almost 42 years later. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Billy and I collect guitars. And if he's in some shop somewhere and he sees a bass, that he uh, likes, he thinks I might want, then he'll Mm -hmm. call me. And our deal is 
to call three times in a row. Mm -hmm. And that means it's urgent. I'm right. on my back porch talking to an insurance company at 1030 that morning and mm -hmm. Billy's calling. And I, it, I hung up on, I, I didn't accept the call. I continued with the insurance company. <laughs> he calls the second time. I again send him mm -hmm. the voicemail. He calls the third time. And I tell the insurance company, hey, I got to go. Let me take right. his call. Mm -hmm. And uh, my phone goes off that Billy has left me a message. But I don't listen to it. I just mm -hmm. return the call. He answers. I said, why are you blowing up my phone this morning? <laughs> He said, if you're not interested in this base, i found, I may just buy it myself. Oh. I said, okay. All right, what, what have you got? He goes, well, you know, the the, the donut shop in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He goes, you know, the pawn shop across the street. I said, Chris. He goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He said, I just walked in there. And as soon as I walked in, Chris said, hey, uh, Billy, uh, you think Dan might be interested in a base? I, I've been meaning to call <laughs> He said, I don't know. He's got several. He's got several, including a bunch of Hoffner bases. Oh, my Lord. He says, uh, what is it? He said, well, uh, it's a Rickenbacker. He goes, okay, uh, what year is it? He goes, we looked it up, and it's a 1974. He goes, okay, now what color is it? Mm -hmm. He said, it's maple. It's been in here over 10 years. He oh, said, what? He goes, what? 10 years? How, how's that possible? He said, look, it came in. We had it back in the warehouse. I got a large warehouse and a big truckload of stuff came in the mm -hmm. next day. And we moved everything. Oh, no. And we forgot about it. And daddy found it yesterday. Oh, my gosh. And he Are set it out. fucking kidding me? Oh, Listen. Wow. I was back in that warehouse one day looking at a piano and oh. I'm in the same room with the bass and don't know it. Oh my God. Oh no. So he goes, he goes, so, so it's been in here 10 years. He goes, yeah, but we sold it yesterday. What? He goes, what? He goes, let me go out and get my iPad. Billy goes out in his car. He said it took me a few minutes and I got the iPad and he said, I stuck that picture up in his face. The picture, this uh -huh. one. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, he said, I, I stuck that up in his face and he went, that's it. That's the base. Mm -hmm. He wow. said, look, he said, look, the guy I sold it to is not a musician. He sells us. No, he buys from us mm -hmm. gold and silver, but he'll buy a guitar to flip. Do you want me to call him right now and see if he's got it? Billy said, give him a call. Yeah. Now look, this shop does not know anything about the Paul McCartney story with this base. Good. All right. So Good. they call the guy, says, Hey man, uh calling about the base you bought from me yesterday. Do you uh you, you still have it? He goes, Yeah, I still got it. He goes, You want to sell it? He goes, That's what I bought it for. <laughs> he goes, Well, there's a guy here. And uh, in town, if that's his original base, he's probably going to buy it from you. I'm going to call him and give him your number. He goes, okay. So they call me. Now, look, I've already replaced that Rickenbacker with a blonde 1974 
similar base. And I've decided in my mind, I put that to bed. I, I buried that and I mm -hmm. moved on. Now they're telling me this and I'm not convinced. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'll call this guy. Yeah. They gave me his number. So I call him. I said, hey, this is Dan calling about your base. Um, look, if that's not my base with the two distinguishing marks of a picture I'm going to send you, I don't want it. I've already replaced it. Uh, so can you, can you send me a picture of it? He goes, it'll be tonight. I said, what? I said, uh, can't you, couldn't you just get, take a picture of it now? He goes, I live in Smyrna and I'm in, I'm not there right now. And, uh, it's probably going to be tonight. I said, could you call somebody at your house right now? Have them open the case and just take a picture. They could send it to you. You could send it to me. He goes, no, man, it's probably going to be tonight. I said, okay, look, here's my number. I'm going to send you a couple of pictures That's and show great. the marks. Please get back to me. So I hang up and I go, I own 20,000 albums. So I went and I started digging through those albums just to get my mind off this base. Absolutely. In about 20 minutes, <laughs> my phone goes off and I'm going to show you <laughs> the exact photograph of the text that I received. It's right <laughs> there. I ran home to shoot you pictures. I, I said, oh, man, it like it's yeah. mine. He said, it looks like you. yours. And this is the guy, right? Incredible! Wow! Wow! So, so I, <laughs> so I, I call Billy. That's I nuts. Him, I call, I call Billy, and I sent him the picture. Billy said, "There's no doubt. There's no doubt. We found the base. That is it." I said, "Listen, I gotta calm down a minute, and I gotta call this guy, and I gotta buy this base. I'll call you back in a minute." So I called the guy. I said, well, yeah, that looks like mine. I said, uh, I made him an offer on it, what market value was. I said, if you'll meet me in Lebanon, Tennessee, right now, I'll pay you for it. He lived in Smyrna. I lived in Cookville. Mm -hmm. And Lebanon's right in between. Yep. So we're going to meet halfway, and that's where Junior's Farm was. So yep. he said, okay, we'll just text and coordinate. <laughs> yep. So we pull, I pull up, I pull up there and he's got the hatch of his vehicle open and I see the case inside. Now you must understand mm -hmm. that you see his car in the background and yes, sir. with it. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that I haven't seen this space in 42 years. Yeah. And so I'm, I act a little strange. I said, hang on a second. As I got to the back of my car, I paused to rest. I said, hang on a second. He goes, okay. I said, no, no, I, uh, you got to understand. I, I've not seen this in 42 years. I said, okay, let's look at it. So he pulls up the case mm -hmm. and he opens it up and I'm going to disappear from the camera a second because mm -hmm. I got something to show you. Remarkable. Wow. Un-fucking-believable. Oh. 
I'm there's fascinated. This, Me too. There's this blue notebook uh -huh. laying in the case. And he reaches for it. Uh -huh. And I reach for it. And we open it. And it has gospel sheet music. Oh, my God. And it says, Stephen Street Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee. And right here, it says... Mr. Stringer, right there, and that's wow. the man. That's the man I sold it to. This was wow. still in the case. All the original papers. Oh wow! My. Oh and so then I get it. That's crazy. And mm -hmm. look, look. Here's what I have to point out to you and your listeners at this. Yes, point. sir. Uh huh. Yes. Billy was with me the day that I handed that base off to Paul McCartney. Mm -hmm. How does he walk into a pawn shop in my hometown 42 years later and discover this? Mm. Play the twilight. I'm going to tell you how. I, I'm going to tell you how. You believe in serendipity? You believe? Yes. That, yes. I'm, I'm assuming you're a spiritual guy. Oh, yeah. Brother, let me tell you something. We, we have seen Amelia... Please tell me if I'm, if I'm lying. I'm over. Listen no. to me. I want people to understand. We've come to you before with mm -hmm. stories like this. People think we make this stuff up. But we yeah. do not. You're, you have heard a man for the last hour mm -hmm. tell you a journey of a bass guitar, a Rickenbacker bass, for almost 43 years. This guitar took a journey, but it, it took a journey to find Dan Ely again. Made a complete yes. circle. People, it came full mm -hmm. circle. Yes. People don't understand that that's how spirit works. Yes. Everything comes full circle, brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's remarkable. Absolutely. So here's what happened then. Paul had kept the base for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. According to Jeff Britton. It was a problem for Paul. He tells it, if you go and search Dan Ely, Paul McCartney, Dan Ely, Jeff Britton, Dan Ely, Denny Lane on YouTube, you'll mm -hmm. find this. Jeff is talking about, he said, the bass was a problem for Paul. He had it up at the garage. He was playing it. And he couldn't bring himself to deprive a fan of his instrument. So he kept it for three mm -hmm. weeks and he decided... It would mean more to you if he kept it and played it and returned it to you than if he just took it. Now, people wow. will ask me this. Mm -hmm. They'll say, why did you not have Paul McCartney sign that bass? Oh, you'll ruin it. Mm -hmm. Look, I was 19. This bass was new. And this, for me, was a lot of money at the time. Yeah, I was standing in the field at Junior's Farm with this around my neck, and I was going to ask Paul to sign it. And I looked down at it like this. Where will I have him sign it? Yeah, right. I suddenly thought, well, I could have him sign it on the back. But then I said to myself, I don't want him messing up my base. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, if I had had him sign it, and it had gone on that journey without me for 42 years. Mm -hmm. I would have never got it back. Nope, you sure wouldn't have. Mm -mm. So but I'm what, thankful. But, 
he, the story is mm-hmm. cemented by the fact yes. that he played it. He actually held it and played it. Mm-hmm. The, you're talking about a musical genius, a legend, played that guitar. Here's and, what people say, man. They say, why would you give Paul McCartney a right-handed bass when he's left-handed? Well, number one, it was Denny that suggested I give mm-hmm. that bass to him because Denny knew that Paul can flip them and play them. There's many examples. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. do the deep dive into Paul McCartney, oh, yeah. you'll see mm-hmm. him playing many instruments. He's on the plane during the Wings tour. He's got a Fender jazz bass. Mm-hmm. It's strung right-handed. He's got it flipped upside down and playing yep. it. Mm-hmm. In the Rockestra documentary, he yep. walks over to the bass player. He says, let me see your bass. I'll show you your parts. And he flips it over and plays it. Yeah, and so really. Denny mm-hmm. knew this. So now, look, after all these years, I've got this bass back, and it's really, I cannot describe to you the, what mm-hmm. that meant. So, it, I, so I, I will tell you what, and I've been waiting a long time to hear the first, mm-hmm. the firsthand account of that story. The story of Paul at Junior's Farm is mm-hmm. legendary. Yes. Amelia, it's your favorite part of the show. You ready hey, for it? Yes. <laughs> we have a little thing, Dan, we do here called Show and Tell. Let's take mm-hmm. a look. He said, let's see it. He says, how do we know it's the same one? Mm-hmm. We pull out the poster. There you go, yes. <laughs> Immediately, he says, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I said, Denny, you and Ringo, once you guys get in the Hall of Fame, you probably won't sign autographs anymore. I know mm-hmm. that you're going to tell me you can't sign. He goes, oh, you know I'll sign for you. So I said, well, Denny, now you've been nominated. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You've been laminated. <laughs> there you go. Yay. So, so I get Denny 
uh, to to back here and pose us with me after 42 years. You saw the photo. Mm-hmm. And then I decide I need, I get Denny to sign an affidavit mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. base. Yep. Yeah. And I get Billy to sign an aff- notarized affidavit about the base. Mm-hmm. There's one guy I want to get it signed by who they tell me is impossible to get. Paul. Jeff Paul. Britton. Oh, oh. Jeff. Mm-hmm. So I knew that Jeff left in 95. He'd sort mm-hmm. of been laying low all these years. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew where he was. I tracked him. I used my investigative skills. I tracked him down in Spain. I knew where he was. Mm-hmm. For, it took me four years. Four mm-hmm. years. But the problem was I couldn't. I knew where he was, but I couldn't get him. Because mm-hmm. he wasn't on social media. Yeah. So how am I going to get this guy? And I finally see a guy in Spain, a Spanish guy who says he's playing in the band with him. And the guy's on Messenger. Mm-hmm. And I so I, I go to Messenger and I'm, I sent a picture of me with Jeff. And I said, I understand you're playing with Jeff Britton. I would love to reconnect with him. I was friends with him at Junior's Farm. He said, I'll be seeing him tonight. I said, could you tell him about me, please? He said, yes. I wake up the next morning. The light is on on Messenger, and the guy is there. Mm -hmm. And I immediately grab my phone. They're six or seven hours ahead. I'm barely out of bed, and I'm texting him, hey, did you see Jeff last night? He says, he's with me right now. Oh, wow. And he remembers you. (laughs) Here's his email address. So I start emailing. We go through this long process mm-hmm. of reconnecting. Yeah. I email four or five days later. I hear from him back and forth. And I tell a couple of my friends, hey, I'm talking to Jeff Britton again. They say, you can't be. He doesn't talk to anybody. <laughs> well, Apparently he does. He does talk to you. <laughs> so eventually I, I get his phone number and I call him up. After I sent him all about the base and he talks and I recorded the conversation and he tells me all about the base and what he remembered about it, about Paul playing it, about it being a problem. And we develop, we reconnect our relationship after all these years. I used to call him in the UK. I had his phone number. I caught the, the, my method was I'd call his mother. She would tell me where he is. Yeah. And give me the number. I called once and she said, he's at the studio with Paul, Dan, here's the number. Mm-hmm. And I call Jeff comes to the phone. I'm on the phone talking. He said, I better go. Paul's looking for me. So I'm interrupting their recording sessions. But, <laughs> but I eventually get the guy who played with Paul on Junior's farm. And I get him to get on a plane in Madrid. And he comes here. Right. Plays with my band. The other thing that happened at that gig with Jeff Britton here and at Mm -hmm. my house, Jeff Britton was here on my drums, is there was a guy showed up at that gig from Nashville named Jonathan Pushkar. He's a young kid, up-and-coming guy in the music business. Mm -hmm. He was talking to Jeff, and he was playing him some of his music. And Jeff said, the only problem is I'm not playing on any of that. Jonathan said, well, we'll correct that in the future. Mm -hmm. So sometime later, maybe a year later, uh, Jonathan's record label is going to have him record Junior's Farm. 
a cover. Mm-hmm. And he tells me, Jonathan tells me about it. He said, I'm going to get Jeff to play on it. And I said, hey, I would love to play the Rickenbacker bass on Junior's Farm. Do you think mm-hmm. we could do that? He said, well, the record company's got REO Speedwagon's bass player lined up. I said, well, that's okay. I, I understand that. But something happened, and about three months later, I get the call, and he says, hey, do you still want to play bass on Junior's Farm? And I said, yes. He said, then get in the car, bring your bass. And come. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I go down there, and I use the bass, and I play. And now, to show you how bizarre this whole journey has been, I'm playing on the record with Jeff Renton using the bass that Paul gave back to me. And I'm the first wow. guker anyway. So amazing. I called up Jeff in Spain after that. Mm-hmm. I said, Jeff, how is this possible? I met you, I was mm-hmm. 19, and you guys were my heroes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How is it possible now, 42 years later, I'm playing on Junior's farm with you. Mm-hmm. Now you guys know. Because I think you did all your homework. You know, I also recorded them rehearsing, right? Absolutely, sure. Mm-hmm. I recorded two hours of them rehearsing down there, and I've sat on this tape for 49 years now. So yep. Jeff comes to Tennessee, and I'm going to take him back to Junior's Farm. Me and Billy have him in the car, in the van, and Jeff's in the back, mm-hmm. and I have, without any knowledge that he has no knowledge of this i have the cd of the my live recordings of them rehearsing in the garage in their bed mm-hmm. and on the way back billy and i cooked this up i said billy it's getting kind of boring in there let's listen to some music and he throws in the cd yeah mm-hmm. and i said jeff that sounds like you playing <laughs> and he set up <laughs> on the back of his seat and he said that's absolutely incredible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so I actually have the first recording of Junior's Farm that I recorded yep. in June of nineteen seventy four, but they did not go to the sound shop in Nashville till July 9th. So I have this. Now you guys know about the new documentary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Man on the Run. Well, sure I want do. to change it to Dan the Man on the Run because that's what they all call me. <laughs> uh, but I got in touch with the, the producer and I sent him a couple of links. I won't mm-hmm. tell you my techniques or how I didn't stalk him, but I did use some skills to finally get to him. And I sent him two of my links on YouTube, which you guys should go check out out there in, uh, you mm-hmm. know, on the radio land because. You can hear snippets of my recordings on one. I already have, my friend. Already <laughs> you have. had. And, <laughs> and uh, when I sent that link to the uh, producer, and I get a email mm-hmm. saying, "I work for the producer of the new documentary, and he wants to know if you're available for a brief phone call on Monday." Do you know how long the phone call was? An hour and a half. I, I was going to say probably at least a two-hour call. Right. 
Jeff Britton said they can't do Nashville without Dan Ely. It's impossible because he says, I know, I know more about it than, than anyone. I appreciated him saying that. Yeah, absolutely. But, mm-hmm. but, but uh, yeah. hey, I was just a fan, and I've had this relationship with them. Now Denny and I have our own wine. Mm-hmm. Did you see the wine? I did. I did. <laughs> I have to tell you, um, I have a uh, – um, I knew Denny back in the day, back in the 80s. In yeah. 1987, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, he was a guest at, at my club in New Jersey. And after the show, um, when we were there with the Denny Lane and, uh, and Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, hanging out, you know, drinking and telling stories. And he got on to the story of Paul being arrested in Japan in 1980. And he says, you know, in that, you know, he had a couple drinks in him. He goes, you know, (laughs) they, uh, they had the wrong fingerprints on Paul. I said, well, what do you mean they had the wrong fingerprints? He goes, they weren't his prints. Uh Oh, when, when, when Paul was arrested in Germany, his prints went to Interpol. Uh-huh. So your fingerprints never change. Well, when they they fingerprinted him in Japan, they were different prints. So what he was trying to tell me was maybe them rumors that Paul died in 66 might have been true. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I was talking to Denny backstage at one of his shows before mm-hmm. I got the Rickenbacker bass back. Right. And the subject matter was the Rickenbacker. Yeah. And I we talked about it, and then I sort of walked away from Denny. I was talking to one of his friends that was there, and <laughs> suddenly Denny blurted out, he wouldn't let me keep it. I looked over at him. I didn't know what he was talking about. A few minutes had passed. You know, yeah. I, I said, what? He said, he wouldn't let me keep it. I said, who wouldn't let you keep what? He said, Paul wouldn't let me keep the bass. He said, after he decided he was going to give it back to you, I wanted it. Oh, my God. And he said, Paul said, there's only going to be one Rickenbacker in the band, and I play it. Oh, Oh, (laughs) jeez. And that's a very musician-y thing there, you know, but it was very Oh, my God, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Brother, you know. I know. Look, mm-hmm. I, I've recorded enough bands to know everybody's got their favorite instrument. Mm-hmm. They got the, the, they each musician that every musician I've ever known has had a unique sound, mm-hmm. a, a particular, you know, what they call Amelia, what they call a tone. Yeah. On, you know, I'm going to put a tune on my instrument. I'm going to yeah. put a tune on my, on my, you know, on my axe, yeah. on my, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we have a guitar. There, like, mm-hmm. Paul, for example, has a very mm-hmm. heavy hand yeah. when he plays the bass. Mm-hmm. George Harrison, when he played the guitar, had a very um, kind of almost orchestral sound to his mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. OK, I'm guessing that because you're such a fan of Paul, that you, Dan, probably have a heavier hand, a heavy right hand. 
I what I do is I muffle the strings just like Paul muffles the strings with his Yes, hands. he does. Mm -hmm. Yep, and, he does. And I've done it naturally all my life. I mean, I've owned over a hundred Hofner basses, including three signed by Paul. I was mm -hmm. a Hofner dealer at one time. I've owned original '61 Hofner. I had two, uh, a one signed on the body. I mean, I've studied, I was playing the Hofner bass in the 60s when mm -hmm. if you didn't play a Fender or a Gibson, you were considered a third rate musician. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I'll but, tell you uh, what, Paul kind of, Paul did for Hofner what, you know, what Harley Davidson did for motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because everybody wanted that. Don't that giant bass violin? Mm -hmm. I have about ten of these mid sixties ones. Mm -hmm. This is a nineteen sixty six. Well, if you got a piece of crap you want to get rid of, <laughs> you, you could throw it my way. I'll right. spend time restoring it. Hey, I was going to show you this picture of the wine. Yes, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you how this got started. When I would see Denny at shows. I yep. would take him a bottle of Elvis wine. Uh -huh. What's Elvis wine? Well, it's just a bottle of wine with Elvis on the label. Yep. And mm -hmm. he wasn't a, he loves Elvis, but he wasn't a big fan of the wine. Right. And so I got to giving it to him anyway. Mm -hmm. And this guy in Chicago messaged me one night and he said, Hey, I'm going to see Denny tomorrow night. He said, uh, is there anything you want me to say to him? I said, go to the liquor store and get a bottle of Elvis wine. He said, mm -hmm. well, what? I said, because he doesn't like it, but that's what I did. <laughs> and so if, if you look up, if you look it up on YouTube, you'll see the guy mm -hmm. backstage with Denny. Yep. And Denny says, and you're still sending the wine. And he points yeah. to the, uh, So I was going to see him February 3rd in Nashville backstage. And right. I knew because I know Denny so well that he thought I was going to pull out of my bag a bottle of Elvis wine. Mm -hmm. And so I had this wine custom made in California. Beautiful. Junior's says Denny and Dan on it. Amelia. That's what it says. And I pulled it out. And uh, he had a blast with it. You can see. I think that's on well, YouTube. I got too. news for you, Dan. I know Denny well enough to know that he's going to have a blast with any kind of wine you stick in front of him. <laughs> but he, he is funny about, let me tell you something, Amelia. <laughs> about, and Den, Den, uh, Dan is absolutely right. Denny Lane mm -hmm. loves wine. He's not a, a heavy drinker. He's, you know, once in a while, he'll sip on it like a scotch. Mm-hmm. Once in a great while, he'll have like a little, um, you know, a little like a brandy and a snifter. Mm -hmm. But he loves him a bottle of wine, mm -hmm. you know, well, and, the, and the sweeter, the better. Yes, I love red sweet wine. Now, your Dan, your wine, is it is it a dry wine? Is it a sweet wine? The first one that I, it's not available commercially. Right. But, but it was a Cabernet. Mm -hmm. and okay. It, I had Denny sign the first bottle. I've got it here mm -hmm. and I gave him one and uh, I don't sell it, but I give it around uh, to people uh, to help me and do things for me. And, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that are fans. And uh, 
and uh, it's been a lot of fun having that. Uh, next year's the 50th anniversary. I'm thinking about putting a, a, a stamp on it that says the 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, here's the, let me yeah. say this about these guys. Jeff yeah. Britton, Denny Lane, Paul and Linda. Look, they've been fabulous to me through the years. Mm -hmm. Last year, when Paul was coming to Knoxville, Billy said, are you going to go? Are we going to go see him? And I said, I'm not going to go. Not unless I'm going to get my base signed because the seats I want are too expensive. They're $3,000 each for the 10th row. Yeah. And I said, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to go. Well, I had messaged a guy in the UK named David Stark, who uh, is on the. I actually know who he is. Okay. He's on, he's yeah. at the, all the graduations with Paul wearing yep. the robes and everything. Mm -hmm. yep. And he, he gave me a contact with MPL about talking to them about getting my base signed. Right. And he messaged me about two weeks from the concert. It had been six months since I had reached out to him. He said, Dan, did you ever reach hear anything from MPL on getting your base signed? I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, I'm going to be in Nashville next week. Would you like to get together, see if there's any way I can help you? He said, there's a guy at the Nashville named Don Cusick going to pick me up at the airport and I'm going to have lunch. I said, I, and I did not know David Stark, but I had his phone number and I'm texting this. Mm -hmm. I'm so shocked by what he just said that I pick up the phone and I dial his number. I mm -hmm. said, did you say Don Cusick is picking you up at the airport? He goes, yeah, mm -hmm. do you know Don? I said, I did an album in 19... 78 that a band that I managed and Don had never done anything in the music business. And he was living in Cookville and I met him at my dad's gas station in November of 1972. <laughs> he was driving a Volkswagen van. He had noodly blonde hair and he wore an army fatigue jacket. And I became friends with him. We played a couple of coffee shops and I needed somebody to bounce ideas off about this album. That was not mm -hmm. a yes man. And I recruited Don Cusick. Now Don went on to write 26 books on the music industry. Yep. He's on the board of directors of the Studio B, Mike Kerr mm -hmm. Foundation. He became a music professor at, mm -hmm. at Belmont in Nashville. He's a songwriter. He's everything. And I, I said, he's on PBS all the time. Yep. And I finally, mm -hmm. when the internet came around, I took that album of my band called Ambrose. It was called Bust Your Nose. That was a rock and roll band. And right. we put one on eBay and it brought $500. And I said, right. how is this possible? And we put another one on that brings $400. So we messaged the guy that bought it. He <laughs> said, I bought it because it's in a record collector's guidebook. Yeah. And so I, I look up Don Cusick. I've not talked to him in 40 years. And I called him up. I said, Don, it's Dan Ely. Don, I want to ask you something. I said, I know you have all these achievements. You've wrote 26 books. You're a publisher. You're a writer. You're on PBS. You're on everything. But Don, not one thing you've done in your career will bring more than that Ambrose album I recruited you for from the gas station at my dad's, at the pumps at my dad's <laughs> gas station in 1972. Don, one question. Please answer yes or no. Did I not discover you at the gas pumps at 19 West Spring Street in Cookville in November of 72? Did I not discover you, Don? And there was silence. And I, there was a little voice that said, 
Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yep. <laughs> so that listen, I tell Billy, there's some omen going on here. This David mm-hmm. Stark is coming. He knows yeah. Don. We got to be there. Let's get the guitars and go meet him. We took yeah. him to Junior's farm. We took him out to eat. We told him the whole story. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, COVID's going around. Paul's going to be in Knoxville. I don't think I need to put the responsibility on you to try to get the base signed. Look, I'll travel mm-hmm. anywhere in the world with this base for five minutes with Paul. If you can do it at the Liverpool Institute, I'll go. If it has to be in London, I'll go. Mm-hmm. So I won't put the pressure on you. So he says, okay, he leaves and goes back to the UK. In about four days, I get a message from him. He says, Dan, something's happened and I, I, I can't believe it, but then I'm not surprised either. I said, well, what is it? He said, I got you two, $3,000 tickets as a guest of the band. Whoa. <laughs> he, said, he said, he said, I got you two, $3,000 tickets. Oh my life. gosh. Mm-hmm. So that poster that you, you showed in the, yeah, I sure did. It's mm-hmm. right here. I always come up with a plan. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. Yep. I had this blown up on a architectural mm-hmm. printer. And mm-hmm. laminated, and we go back to the parking lot behind the facility, and Paul's driving in, and he's got his window down, and I'm ten foot from him, and he points at me, and he grins. You can see it on YouTube. He points yeah. at me, and he grins. Now we get inside. We're at the tenth row, and I talk to security. I have this folded up. Why you see all the creases in it? is you were not allowed to have anything this big in there. Yeah, so yeah. I folded it up. I smuggled it in under my shirt. And <laughs> I love this guy. I know. Right? And I got to talking to security for my section. It was a lady. And mm-hmm. I explained to her my history. And I said, I've got this huge poster crammed under my shirt. <laughs> she goes, well, don't get it out till the lights go down. So when the lights went down, I got it out. We moved to the third row. And Paul cuts the lights on, and he starts reading the signs, and he points, and he says, I met you at Junior's Farm. Yes, we did. We recorded (laughs) Junior's Farm right here. Mm -hmm. And so, hey, it was great. Incredible. I commandeered him twice in one day that Mm -hmm. day. But listen, uh, I went to Paul's office in London. I've been to his farm in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had this great history of with him. And I was all I say is I'm just a fan. Now, what happens is, you know, when Buddy Holly died, yeah, his parents in Texas had one of his Stratocasters that they would bring out when the fans would knock on the door. Yeah. And they would let him play. People come here. Because I knew that story, and I pulled the Rickenbacker out, and I I don't wait for him to ask. I mm-hmm. say, you want yeah. to play the bass that Paul McCartney played, don't you? Right. Let's <laughs> make a picture with it. Because uh-huh. I thought that was such a great thing that Buddy Holly's parents did. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, where else are you going to get a chance to play an instrument that Paul McCartney played? When I met Paul at the farm the first time. I came back to my hometown to a concert that was going on here, and I told all my friends, I just met Beethoven. (laughs) 
I said a thousand years from now, when we're all dead and gone, mm -hmm. who can you meet in your life that will be remembered? Who do you know in your life that you've met that are going to be remembered in a thousand years? Right, exactly. I mean, I met Jimmy Page when mm -hmm. I was 12. With He was with the Yardbirds. I met yep. him. He said he hoped he never mm -hmm. came back to Clifford. Yep. And he, he was on the Caravan of Stars show. I, Neil Diamond kicked me out of his dress. Amelia, tell Dan who I met. Who we met was uh, Sylvia and Lacey J. Dalton. No. Tell them, <laughs> tell them, tell Dan who I met. Who you met when? Uh-oh. That you you've met a lot a of people. You've, you've met a lot of people. <laughs> I've talked about it on the show many times. I met Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, oh. yes. He's met a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Well, I got married at Graceland. Really? Did you? But, uh, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Bill, Billy and I are huge Elvis fans, too. We say this. Mm -hmm. Elvis yeah. was the man, but the mm -hmm. Beatles was the band. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a room in my house. It's all Elvis. Um, Amelia's husband worked at Graceland. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. He was the groundskeeper. Yeah. For a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. It's been, a, this was the best show we ever had. It was we great. To, oh. We'll have to do it again. Ask a single fucking question. It was great. <laughs> it was a, amazing. Mm -hmm. I want guests like Dan all the time. All the time, right? Dan, I, I want you to promote your social media. Tell everybody where they can find out about the uh, the Paul McCartney story. You got, yes. uh, uh, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all your. I run a couple of pages on Facebook. I, my page is Paul McCartney and Wings at Junior's Farm. Mm -hmm. I, I would invite you to to join there. I also run Wings at the Speed of Sound, mm -hmm. and okay. then. Uh, uh, you can get really a lot of stories, a lot of details on YouTube just by putting in. You got to spell my name right, Dan E A L E Y. Yep. And they'll come up, and you can hear Jeff talking about the base. You can see some inside stuff with Denny. Mm -hmm. I loved being here on this show tonight. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Me. well, I'll tell you what we we do um, Beatles shows frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, I, I have uh, um, I've forwarded three Beatles books already. Mm -hmm. um, I've hosted more than probably 18 hours of Beatles programming here. Yep. Um, and I consider myself, you know, humbly, I consider myself uh, kind of an expert on the Beatles. Mm -hmm. yeah. I went to uh, the cavern. Do you remember when Bill Heckle owned the cavern? Yes, sir. I was on the way to London and uh, I was on the plane and getting off to the plane in London. And he called me, he said, uh, can you come on to Liverpool today? Mm -hmm. I said, well, that's all the way across the country. He said, Dan, it's only two hours by train. It's yeah. not America. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, What's exactly. going on? He said, Pete Best is playing here for the first time in 20 years. And yep. I think you need to be here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I take the train on to Liverpool. Yep. And I got to hang out with uh, John Lennon's Uncle Charlie. Yep. I recorded mm -hmm. Pete Best Band playing. And I met Alan Williams. You and, were hanging uh, out at, were you at the uh, at the museum there, at the Beatles Museum? I went to the museum, but I was at the Cavern Club, yeah. Okay, Cavern, sure. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Danny, 
Denny actually got in touch with me and invited me in 90, that was 1996, to come to one of his shows there. I had not seen him since yeah. 74, but I couldn't figure out how to get there without renting a car. So I went on to the farm in Scotland. I would love to have Denny on the show. Mm -hmm. I would love to have him here because yeah. he's a character. He really is. He's a fucking character. I'd like um, for you to have him. I'd like you to have Jeff Britton sometime, too. Well, I'll tell you what. Hook me up. Bring him on. Mm -hmm. Come on with him. Yep. Well, next year is the 50th anniversary of Junior's Farm. It's hard to believe. Yeah, I know. And who crazy. knows what's going to happen? Look, uh, Curly Putnam, that owned the farm, you know, mm -hmm. um, he invited me a few years ago to come back to the farm. And yeah. I went through oh, the wow. gates sat there we talked about and all that and i said curly what was it like having paul and wings renting your house yeah he said dan to be honest with you i needed to pay the mortgage yeah. he said they tore up a few yeah. things but they paid <laughs> everything mm -hmm. i'm sure they tore up a few <laughs> things I'm sure. He said they, uh, he, he told me they uh, hid the motorcycles. He said, uh, Anna, he said, we hid the motorcycles in the barn. He said, but Paul found them on the first day and I was riding them all over Wilson County. Yeah. He loves to do shit like that. Mm -hmm. He loved Listen, uh, he was, he was wonderful to me. Very nice. Yeah. I got to meet my heroes mm -hmm. and uh, they've continued this relationship with me Yeah. for for 50 years. Now, Denny it's said hard to imagine. It's hard to mm -hmm. think in terms of that. Mm -hmm. Now, Amelia, you're just a young pup. You were uh -huh. just a baby, you know. In, in 1974, just, just to give you an idea, Dan, she was three years old in 74. <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. I am, uh, of course, uh, you and I are in this, that same age bracket that we will not fucking mention. That's right. <laughs> And, and we're going to keep it that way. But I will tell you that it's hard to imagine in terms of 1974 was 50 years ago. 49 years ago right It's okay. Now. He's telling my age. That's okay. I'm just kidding. Okay. No, but because of you, Long Angel, I got time. to meet my hero thanks to you. Well, look. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's easy. I I know people up and down Nash, you know, Music Row in Nashville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Up old. I mean, we had Lacey mm -hmm. J's been on the show. Sylvia's been here. We've had. Oh my God, who the hell else has been here? Oh. Yeah. I, I got like brain fog right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to a show where Denny was in concert. I hadn't seen him in many years, and I went backstage mm -hmm. and talked to mm -hmm. him. And Billy was telling me. He said uh, in the car, Billy was with me, and he pulled out this. Vintage leather guitar strap. And I said, what are you doing with that? He said, I'm thinking about giving this to Denny when we get there. I said, let me look at it. He holds it and it's got, it's orange and it has big Tennessee letters like for the football team. Mm -hmm. Bold, oh, but but mm -hmm. it's, it's vintage. And I said, okay, we'll turn it over. I'm driving down the interstate and I'm saying, mm -hmm. turn it over. I said, let's get an ink pen and sign our names on the back. So we get there and we go up to see Denny. And Billy's in front of me, pulls out the guitar, says, Denny, I want to give you this. He goes, okay, I won't be missed in this. And he automatically, he flips it over. And he goes, what's this? Billy said, well, now that was Dan's idea. He said, uh, so he says, what about it? And I said, well, Denny, you know how we're always coming to you? We're going, oh, Denny, will you sign this? 
Denny, will you sign that? I thought we should sign something for you. There you go. He said, I don't think I've ever had that happen before. Mm -hmm. Now, what he did at the concert, he plays a song. I'm out in the audience, and he stops at the end, and he says, there's a guy in the audience tonight who showed up at the farm, pretended to be some reporter or photographer or something. <laughs> and he said, we haven't been able to get rid of him for 40 years, yeah, but there he right. is. <laughs> Amelia, what do we got coming up next week? Well, actually, tomorrow we're going to be, I mean, actually, Monday. Uh, tomorrow ain't doing shit tomorrow. We're tomorrow. <laughs> I keep thinking that we're still doing our shows on uh, different nights. But actually, we started doing our shows on Mondays and Tuesdays. So I April need to go to church tomorrow because I dropped a lot of F-bombs. <laughs> you did, yes. April the 10th on Monday, we're going to be doing a show on Bob Saget. Oh. The Mysterious Death of Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. Wow. Entertainer, comedian, stand-up. Yes, was he murdered, or did did this thing just play out as a terrible accident? Yes. Wow. We're going to investigate the deep dive into the 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 death of Bob Saget. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, April eleventh, and we're going to be doing a show on runaway parents. Not wondering. I may have. Yeah. I may have to get involved in that. There, there you go. go. Absolutely. I tell you what. There's a lot of a lot of people are, are speculating that the foul play here. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of people, you know, knowledgeable people, mm -hmm. in fact. Yeah. Um, far beyond the rumor mill here now. It's very um, far beyond the rumor, yes. Because we don't we don't propagate the rumor mill here. We take the factual information and then we go with it. Um yeah. Tuesday, yes. runaway parents. Yes, it's a real thing. Yes. No longer. It's no longer the kids running away. It's you the know, parents. The wow. spoiled, rotten brat throwing the stick over his back with the knapsack going, I'm going to run away from the home. Well, now it's the parents leaving the kids in the home. In fact, leaving them the home. Yes. How with about barely that? any food and whatever they have there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Runaway parents. People are just tired of being parents anymore. Mm -hmm. What else we got coming up, Neil? And actually, and then after that, on the, we're going to be doing a show for we're going to be doing our shows on Mondays and Tuesdays from now on, as we are telling everyone. So we yep. decided to do on the 17th celebrity time travel. You'd be surprised. Have they been here before? Have well, they? I'm going to show you compelling evidence, ladies and gentlemen, that maybe perhaps they have. Time travel is real. We know this now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's gonna oh, be a yeah. good one. Yeah, gonna and good then one. and then of course we're gonna have um, the show we're gonna be doing on. Let's see, we decided to go ahead and let me rant a little bit more about politics. You're gonna rant, I'm, absolutely sure. And mysterious gonna... celebrity deaths. Yes. Did Elvis die of a heart attack or was he murdered? Yeah, that's on the twenty-fourth and twenty-sixth. Mm -hmm. Who killed Marilyn? How deep are the Kennedys in this? Mm -hmm. Very, and very deep. And Hish, we're going to talk about that as well. And Hish, was she mm -hmm. murdered or was it an accident? Mm -hmm. That's going to be coming up we for the rest more. of the Michael month of Jackson April. is the king of pop still alive and hiding in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Strong evidence, not circumstantial, by the way. 
strong, tangible, physical evidence to support the fact that Michael Jackson may very well be alive and well and hiding in plain sight. Too much information people are wanting to hide, but we're going to find it for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. It's been a rough, uh, (laughs) rough and tumble couple of weeks. It has been. (laughs) This was the exclamation point over Mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks. Oh, yes. And thank you, Dan Ely. You, my friend, are a welcome guest here. Any damn time you want to come back. Mm -hmm. And if you just feel like talking, that's okay, too. Uh Remember this from Wings, right? Yes, sir. Yes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you guys again. For Dan the Man Ely. For Amelia the Pitbull Chapman. I am the Mad Dog. I'm Angelo. Take care. We'll see you next time on What's the Buzz? America's Bobcast. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.